This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence. I'm Chris. I'm Chad. And together, we are a pair of normal guys. Sure. You like that? Mm-hmm. Got a new little thing going? Yeah, that works. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad you approve. Sure. So, Chad, we're up to, uh, what is it, 17? 17. Closing in on that whatever anniversary is 25. Yep. Closer to 25 than we were last week. Mm-hmm. This is very true. So what's been going on in the world, Chad? Um, just this, that, and the other. <laughs> three things. Three things. Uh, well, really, other than Katrina's been getting ready for Thanksgiving stuff, I haven't been doing a lot. Rocks you like a hurricane. That's true. Um, I did want to talk about our uh, fundraiser that we have going right now. Are you excited? I am excited. You should be. Uh, you can go to our website, paironormalguys.com. Or you can go to booster forward slash pair dash o dash normal dash guys wow. dot com. <laughs> and right now, if you want to buy one of our spiffy logo t-shirts, you can purchase the shirt. And if we get to 50 shirts, they are going to make a donation to the Kentucky Humane Society. Uh, we don't get anything from this. We just supplied the amazing graphic that Chris came up with. That is our logo, and they will send a check directly to the Kentucky Humane Society. So please support them. So we don't even get a chance to, like, take a little off the top of that? No, no, sir. It's not what it's about. It's the season of giving. (laughs) Well. Not greeting. G-R-E-E-D-I-N-G. Greeting greeting your loved ones when they come over for Thanksgiving? If you want to. (laughs) How does one greet a person? (laughs) I don't know. I'd rather they buy a shirt. Because they are, like, really awesome shirts. They see paranormal guys on them. That's true. Everybody should have one. That is true. Because mm-hmm. right now, there are only three of those shirts that exist in the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are only three. This is the only way you can get one yourself. That's right. They're super limited edition. You can't even buy them directly from us. That's right. Uh, it's, and it's one of those things, like, the Franklin Mint off- offers. You know, at the time, you spend some money, you buy it. But then the real payoff comes... When your kids inherit that. The Roswell crash. And it's worth, that shirt could easily be worth upwards of 25 bucks. 
by the time unused. Well, after a couple washings, vintage tin. <laughs> it's vintage. Yeah. Another thing we need to uh, point out on this show so that he doesn't have to continue sitting there in silence. We're not alone. I'm scared now. Oh. Paranormal guys is moving up in the world and always, you know, trying to figure out how to do that world domination thing. We have uh, obtained phone interview capabilities. Cutting edge technology. That's right. Consists of a corded landline phone and a weird black Russian box. Those we don't need come either. And then, and we figured out how to hook it up too. So, being that we have that and hooked up, uh, Chad and I decided that it would be a good opportunity to start doing little interviews and bringing on guests and just having a hoo haul kind of time. And for our first show, I decided it would be really freaking cool to bring on somebody that's already basically the silent third member of Paranormal Guys, but I guess you can't really even say silent. So for our first show, we are bringing on uh, Paranormal Guys' own William Blanchard. Hello, William. Hello. Uh, he is a musical genius. A musical genius. It's true. It's good to have you here, William. It's good to hear your voice. Good to hear you guys, too. Not that I don't hear you every every time I listen to your show. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. So, yeah, uh, we uh, have uh, William Blanchard on for this show, sitting in and uh, shooting the poop with us about various different things. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I did want to get out there, I know every show we do, uh, do a little shout-out at the end of the show for uh, William's music and everything, but I figured a good thing to do would be let him tell about his own stuff because he's going to do it a lot more eloquently than I can without the That's true. You... Facebook slash something, mm-hmm. and I don't remember it. And So, William, go ahead and uh, people that listen to the show, they are obviously aware of a few of your tracks at least, but go ahead and let everybody know what you do and where they can find all your good stuff. Well, um, you can find my stuff on soundclick.com forward slash William Blanchard right now. Um, I'm in the process of building a different website. Ooh. Um, my music is about, uh, well, I like movie scores. I like game scores. And that's what I like doing. And I'm hoping to one day after retiring from my day job to be doing that full time and uh, have my, my music used in various movies and game scores. That's right, and, and the uh, Paranormal Guys uh, Travel Channel show when that uh, <laughs> when we get the contract for that. Exactly. Well, that sounds really cool, William. I hope everything comes together on that for you and you get to do it the way you want to do it. And uh, I know we really enjoy your music. It, it makes our show special that we have this unique sound that, you know, you hear a lot of, I guess, the um, free music. I don't have a better term for it that a lot of the other shows just use over and over again, but uh, I do like the fact that we do have a a theme that sounds original, and our music we use for our breaks is great, so we really appreciate that a lot. Well, thank you. Thank you. So yeah, have William here all show with us today. We're going to talk about a few different things, but uh, you know, one thing coming up, this show is probably going to drop either the night before or the morning of Thanksgiving. Gives people something else to be thankful for. So, happy Thanksgiving to all the Pongites out there. And if you are overseas, happy end of November. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I know you have a uh, special event you have to go to tonight, Chad. I do. I'm attending Friendsgiving. (laughs) You get to sit together and watch Ross and Rachel and... Yeah, I'll be there for you. So, William, do you... uh, do you do anything weird like Friendsgiving? 
Uh, no, not really. No, family together here at our house on Thanksgiving, and uh, you know, cook a large turkey and uh, all the fixings and stuff ourselves. That's that's basically what we do. We uh, do a turkey, bunch of pies, all kinds of stuff like that. It's a celebration of food. So, looking at what to do for this show, we didn't really have any idea for a long time. Coming down off that monumental Halloween episode, and then the uh, what what awards do they have for podcasts? Steve Award. When they give out the Steve Award for podcasts, I think that Devil Monkey episode is going to be nominated. They should. It's pretty magical. <laughs> Devil Monkey. Devil Monkey. Running. Throwing poop at you. Feces in his hand. Wow. Bob Zombie. So we uh, decided to kind of take it a little bit on the lighter side. Yeah. Not anything, you know, deep and dark. We're going to talk about unusual graves. Strange graves? Yeah, you know, not necessarily anything that has any kind of haunting or supernatural thing with it. Just grave that you, that either has a weird story behind it or you just look at the monument itself and go, huh, hmm. that's very unusual. Strange. And now getting ready for the show, too, when I uh, contacted uh, William, you let me know that you are a member of, uh, was it Grave Finders? No, it's actually called findagrave.com. It's a website that's been around for years, and you'd be surprised. You can actually find some of your family members on there if you dig deep enough on the website. And you you can upload your own photos of your family members' gravestones. And a lot of celebrities' grave sites are on there. It's pretty intriguing to, to go on there and check it out. That's that's pretty cool. I think I remember um, somebody posting, they found Scatman Crothers' grave, and they had found it through that site <laughs> nice. a while back. It's jazz. Yeah, it's jazz. Well, that's cool. Well, uh, William, what, what else do you like in the realm of strange, unusual, and supernatural? What's your What's your interest in that? My interest in the un- unusual uh-huh. well, geez, goes from everything like Bigfoot, UFOs, everything, man. That's why that's why I'm a big fan of your show. Well, cool. I'm, yeah, you guys, you guys cover a lot of the topics that I really like. That's cool. I'm I'm glad to hear that. We, I mean, when we started the show, it was really just me and Chris would sit down and talk about weird stuff like that all the time. And then he's like, "Why don't we just record it? Yeah, let's just put a mic in front of us." So that's why it seems like we're a little. Um, we just kind of drift sometimes when we talk, but um, well, that's cool. It's 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 great that not only did he find the music that he wanted to use for the theme for the show, and it was yours, but then also we find out that you have an interest in these topics. So that's that's pretty amazing. What do they call it? A synchronicity? Uh, is that what yeah, that is? Something like something that. Something at the bottom of his yeah, dark Scottish dark lock. Scottish something like <laughs> yeah, Sting. I think that's what Sting said. I think so. You know, which that is interesting, though, because you bring up that uh, we're talking about how uh, you, William, are into the paranormal. That was actually horrifying to me when you sent me the email when we first started using your music for the show. And you said, hey, you know, ironically, I'm very into the paranormal. I was scared to death because I thought, oh, crap, that means he's probably going to listen to the show. And he's going to after the first show, he's going to say, quit using my song for that piece of crap. (laughs) No, no. No, I was pretty impressed with that first show. It was, it was really neat to, to hear one of my songs used in that context, you know, and, you know, to hear all of the UFOs, Bigfoot, all of that going over the, the main theme song. That was that was pretty cool. That's right. And what? Nothing. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was just thinking the, the, the uh, just the way everything came together. It was, it's just so, I guess... It was good, but it was weird. It's yeah, just because things fit together the way they did. You know, if if I hadn't have got the podcasting for dummies book to look at to figure out what we needed, and it recommended SoundClick for a site to use song or to get music, 
I didn't ever even know what SoundClick was, and that's where I found the music. So, <laughs> yeah, and my love for you know growing up watching In Search of and stuff is like Chris. We we've got to integrate something from In Search of, and just we've got to get some of these little sound bites in there. And I love the the song. The song is fantastic. Everybody that's listened to it, they they're like, you know, that's that's great. You've got a memorable theme. So it's oh, it's, it's awesome. So. We are talking Unusual Graves. Why don't you uh, start us off tonight with a Unusual Grave? Yeah, there, there's actually a pretty cool grave site right here in Syracuse, New York. It's always intrigued me every time I've seen it. It's at the Oakwood Cemetery. It's right up by Syracuse University. It's the uh, the grave of Comfort Tyler. He was um, one of the original settlers in Syracuse, New York. He was big in the salt industry, and, and he got into uh, politics in central New York here and for state politics. But his grave is like this, this this huge stone pyramid with a cross on the top of it. And it's got these uh, these stone orbs that are all around the base of it that go, it's on the side of a hill. It's just one of those things that's uh, just really odd to look at, and it's really cool. Wow. I've always liked that one. I mean, there's nothing really creepy about it. It's just cool. It's a cool grave. I'll have to check out a, a picture of that. We've got a lot of... Um, unusual graves at a, the um, Cave Hill Cemetery here. They've got Millionaire's Row, and that's where like Colonel Sanders is buried, and of course they recently buried Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Ali right. But yeah, there's a lot of unique and unusual uh, markers, and um, it, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a neat cemetery. Just if you ever come into town, Cave Hill Cemetery is a great place to just go look. It's like a park. It is. Mm-hmm. But, that's uh, the way Oakwood is here, too. They do tours and all of, all of that. That, that type of activity. And uh, what I will try to do is uh, on the website with the show notes, I will try to go ahead and put a picture of each one of the graves we or grave sites we talk about on the show tonight okay. along with that. So you don't have to take our word for it. You can actually see a picture of the uh, grave itself. See it yourself. All right. So, Mr. Smith. Yes, sir. What do we have coming up? I think uh, the first grave I'd like to talk about is the clothespin grave. <gasps> it's true. <laughs> clothespins? Yes, sir. Um, this is uh, W. Jack Crawwell's grave. He was born on August 6, 1924. He made his career in the clothespin industry. In fact, he owned the National Clothespin Factory at Montpelier, Vermont. <laughs> Clothespin factory, eh? Yeah, a clothespin factory. Huh. <laughs> uh, the National Clothespin Factory opened in 1906 and continued manufacturing wooden clothespins until 2009, making it the last American company to do so. Apparently, 2009, really? 2009. Huh. Still making clothespins. Who knew? Well, you got to hang your clothes up somewhere outside for those people who don't use a dryer. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Jack really loved his job because when he died on October 20th, 1996, his family erected in his honor... A giant clothespin. The tombstone is um, set up, and the original plans were to include an actual spring so that children visiting the grave could play on the marker, just like a seesaw. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> Want them to party down. Hey, kids, let's go to the graveyard. <laughs> hey, you don't go to McDonald's Playland when you can go right on a tombstone. Although there is unfortunately no playing on the tombstone allowed, well, buddy-duddies, oh, many people still flock to the Middlesex Center Cemetery each year to view the unusual tombstone. Well, there you go. There's the first one. That, and yeah, it's a, it's a big big clothespin. That's right. So we, we've got a big pyramid from William. 
We've got a big clothespin from Chad. Yes, sir. I'm going with big hole in the ground. Big hole in the ground. Yes, and not just the uh, grave itself. Mm -hmm. This is the grave of Florence Irene Ford. And they uh, like to refer to this as the thunderstorm grave. Thunderstorm. Hmm. Chad? Yes. When someone dies, does their spirit still hold the same fears and insecurities that they had in life? Probably not. It's a question that comes up quite often in the paranormal community when taking a look into this interesting grave. In Adams County, Mississippi, you can find the Natchez City Cemetery, located on a bluff overlooking the Mississippi River. The cemetery was established in 1822. Some sources say it was 1821, though. And some of the interments are much older than the 1822 day, and some of the burials reach back to the late 1700s in the Natchez City Cemetery, Chad and William. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to intern Union soldiers who had died during the Civil War, large sections of the cemetery were purchased in 1866. As for the cemetery itself, it's said to be quite haunted, uh, with quite a lot of interesting stories to tell. The grave that we're looking at now is far from being the only interesting unique memorial on the grounds. In 1871, 10-year-old Florence Irene Ford passed away after contracting yellow fever. Her mother, stricken with grief, did not opt for a typical burial, but went one step further so she could comfort her daughter in death as she would in life. In life, Florence was absolutely terrified of storms. Whenever the thunder rolled in, she would take refuge at her mother's side. Mrs. Ford must have felt that Florence's fear of storms would still be with her spirit in death, and so had a rather unique grave made. At the head of the grave, two metal hinged doors can be found in the ground. When opened, a flight of steps can be seen, leading into the earth. When you reach the bottom of these steps, you are at the same depth as the final resting place of young Florence. It was here that Mrs. Ford would come during stormy weather in order to continue comforting her deceased child. Originally, a window was present at the head of the coffin so Mrs. Ford could look upon her daughter during these times. The metal doors above could be closed to protect her from the weather. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Ford herself is long gone, and the window at the bottom of the steps have now been concreted over to prevent vandalism of Florence's coffin. However, the steps are still present. A small concrete cherub now looks over Florence's grave. So there you go. Weird. <laughs> okay, steps down to the that level, whatever, but the glass window, I think that's going a little far. Windex. Just clean it off. Oh, Fine. Wow. <laughs> That would be kind of boring looking at a concrete wall. I know, right? I mean, what do you, you go down to the steps and just go, huh? Mm. Concrete. I just feel like she's fine. Graffiti. She's fine. There, there's no problem. <laughs> wow, you're dead. You can't hear the thunder. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm going to hell. Probably. Well, William, did you have any more? Oh yeah, I got another one. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, it's a it's a it's a good one. I, I was on a trip out to Seattle one time, and uh, actually went to a uh, cemetery that my friend took me to out there, where Chief Seattle is buried. It's a pretty interesting grave. It's like these giant wooden, you know, American structure above the grave, and there's all these trinkets on the grave. It's you know, rumor has it that you're supposed to leave a gift at the grave, 
and something good will happen to you. You know, I was out there visiting. I didn't have anything on me, really, so I, I had a guitar pick in my pocket, and I just left it on the grave. And strangely enough, like, within 10 minutes, this, this dog, I think it was like a sheepdog, uh, you know, the, the kind that, that uh, round up the sheep and everything, he shows up. And it attacked you. No, oh. no, no, no owner around. Oh. Super, super friendly dog <laughs> started following us around and everything and playing with us. And, and then, you know, we turn our back and the dog's gone. It was, wow. was kind of kind of strange. It was weird. But it, it's a really interesting gravesite to visit. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, I really thought you were going to go with the dog attacked you and, was, and it was the spirit from the grave going like, stupid guitar pick, what the heck's up with that? <laughs> No, that's funny you would say that because the, the gravesite that I talked about before that, Comfort Tyler, he, he almost died getting bit by a rabbit dog. Oh. Wow. But he actually survived that one. Hmm. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. I'll have to check that, uh, that gravesite out. I'll have to take a look at it and online and see uh, see if I can find a good picture of it. Road trip. Yeah. Yep. Could I'll be a road trip. I'll go through my photo. I'll go through my photo archives on my computer see if I can find some. Yeah, that'd be know, awesome. You know, you get the mysterious orbs in your photos and stuff too. Yeah. Now, did you ever did you ever go out uh, ghost hunting or anything like that, William? Um, last year, my wife and I did. We went. There's a place in Syracuse called the Landmark Theater. It's uh, if you look it up on the internet, you'll see that it it actually is haunted. We did a ghost tour there last year with uh, with with one of our friends, and it was a whole big group. It was really really a lot of fun, and it was really interesting because you learned a lot of history about the place. Did anything? Yeah, I have uh, been on, uh, well, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I have been on a ghost hunt. Yeah, it was, okay. it was pretty neat. Did uh, anything strange or unusual happen during the ghost hunt while you uh, and your wife were there? Um, just got a few weird orbs and some photos and. Uh, some evil-looking red thing in one of the rooms that I shot into the dark with my camera. Oh. It was really odd. I'll see if I can find that photo and send it to you. Yeah, I'd like to see that. That's cool. That's very neat. Well, I actually have another one here, Chris, that I'd like to talk about. All right, sir. It is called the Davis Memorial, and it's in Hiawatha, Kansas. Hiawatha. It's at, uh-huh. It's in Mount Hope Cemetery. It's the most famous attraction in Hiawatha, Camp, Kansas, according to uh, the uh, Mount Hope Cemetery. It's a 1930s tomb setting in Mount Hope Cemetery near the southeast edge of town. John Milburn Davis came to Hiawatha in 1879 at the age of 24. After a short time, he married Sarah Hart, the daughter of his employer. Her family did not approve. The Davises started their own farm, prospered, and were married for 50 years. When Sarah died in 1930, the Davises were wealthy. Over the next seven years, John Davis spent most of that wealth on Sarah's grave. What? Yep, he did. The amount spent on the Davis Memorial has been estimated at anywhere between 100000 and several times that amount. So they've got a pretty big estimation. you think there'd be some records. Yeah, like it costs somewhere between $10 and... All we had. A million. <laughs> uh, in any case, it was a large amount and included the signing over of the farm and the mansion. This during the Depression when money was tight. Several reasons are offered for the extravagance, including great love or guilt, anger at Sarah's family and desire that the Davis fortune be exhausted before John's death. The Davis Memorial grew by stages, which is a bit of a shame. If it had been planned, it might have been built on a larger lot and be more attractive. Yeah, because, I mean, you need a three-acre grave. Sure. 
<laughs> Why wouldn't you need a three-acre grave? The memorial began with a typical gravestone, but John worked with Horace England, a Hiawatha monument dealer, making the gravesite more and more elaborate. There are 11 life-size statues of John and Sarah Davis made of Italian marble, many stone urns, and a marble canopy that is reported as weighing over 50 tons. The last addition to the tomb was a marble granite wall surrounding the memorial to keep people from entering. Unfortunately, there wasn't much room left on the lot, and the wall is aesthetically too close to the figures. The wall hasn't been entirely effective. One of the urns is broken off, and a head has been removed from one of the statues. Oh, they thought it was a zombie. Yeah, they're cursed now. It takes only a few minutes to visit the Davis Memorial, and thousands of people do every year. Visitors from all over the world sign the guest register. Uh, the mor memorial has been featured in newspapers, magazines, television, Ripley's Believe It or Not, and hundreds of websites, making it one of the most well-known tourist attractions in Northeast Kansas. So there you go. If you want to among go see... all of those tourist attractions in Northeast Kansas, <laughs> well, yeah. wow! Just think of the the, the amount of paranormal guys T-shirts they could have been bought with all that money. Exactly. That's true. There could have been can oh. most of Kansas could have been wearing a paranormal guys T-shirt, mowing the yard. That's right. Painting the house, driving around, hanging out, attending ball games. One thing, uh, kind of as an aside, but not an aside all at the same time. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> I get to thinking uh, when I'm looking up some of these uh, graves for the show. What uh, what I'll have done with my mortal remains, Chad? And I now we've talked, and I, I think you know it's a fact that I will be cremated because I'm not coming back as a zombie. Yeah, obviously. You know, you always hear the, uh, well, you know, people spread their ashes here, there, do weird things with their ashes and everything. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm kind of, I'm in, I'm in an internal struggle about what to do with my ashes. Hmm. I don't know. Just put them in a clear glass container and request that people kiss them every time they're near. Kiss my ash. Put a sign ash. that says, kiss my ash. <laughs> you, you, you know my convoluted plans that I occasionally get for things, right? Is this going to take long? No. Why? Oh. <laughs> Shut up. No, I just... No, you're long-winded. That's okay. No, this is quick. Okay. Uh, you know how you can do the make your ashes fertilizer for a tree and planet thing, right? Sure. Okay. Here's my plan so I can carry on for many years after I'm gone. Mm -hmm. I want to be one of the little grow-a-tree fertilizer things. Okay. But I want to be a very specific tree. What kind of tree? Mulberry. Now, have you ever been around a mulberry tree or lived around where there's one? I thought mulberries were in bushes. There's oh. a tree. Mulberry okay. trees. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mulberries get fruits on them that look like small blackberries. Okay. But have about a thousand times the staining power of a blackberry. I'm very familiar with what you're talking about. And yeah. birds love to eat mulberries. Yes. So... I want to be fertilizer for a mulberry tree that will grow up and eventually have mulberries that birds will eat and poop all over the place. Wow. So that a little bit of me is on your windshield mm -hmm. and staining your shirt or your deck. That's disgusting. Chris. <laughs> it's good to have a crappy legacy. Oh. <laughs> Hurtful. Yes. Any 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 big plans for the Chad afterlife? No, I'll be gone. <laughs> I don't really care what they do with the with what's left. <laughs> now, William, is is that something that you've you've thought of? Of you know, what are they going to do with my mortal remains? 
Not really, no. No, I, I kind of like that mulberry uh, tree idea. That's right. Kind of neat. Part of me is on your windshield. Part of me yeah. was on a tree, and now it's in a bird, and now it's on you. <laughs> oh, so moving on. I have another one here. Ooh, no. <laughs> this one, Chad, I, I actually really liked this one. It is the Mausoleum of Mary Reed. It's common practice to reserve a plot next to your loved one's grave in anticipation of your own death. But Jonathan Reed took it one step further. The retired merchant was devastated when his beloved wife, Mary E. Gould Reed, died in 1893. After Mary's internment in her father's family vault on March 19th of that year, Jonathan visited regularly, a little too often in the opinion of his father-in-law. When Mary's father died in 1895, Reed was free to visit her tomb to his heart's content. So he had her casket transferred to another vault in the Whispering Grove section of the cemetery. There he put an empty casket next to hers, a placeholder for his inevitable end. Hmm. And it's here that Jonathan Reed's tale takes a surprising twist. Unable to bear being away from his wife's corpse, Jonathan moved into Mary's mausoleum. He brought furniture and a wood stove and cheered up the place with mementos from Mary's life. Her paintings, her unfinished knitting, and, Chad, the best part, Yes. And William, sorry. <laughs> the family's pet parrot, which upon the death of the bird was stuffed and added to the mausoleum. Wonderful. Jonathan even took his meals inside the crypt. As news of the devoted widower spread, visitors came by to catch a glimpse of the man who now made his living amongst the dead. Nearly 7,000 people reportedly wandered through Evergreen Cemetery for the sole purpose of encountering Jonathan Reed. The New York Times even covered the story, explaining helpfully, Mr. Reed could never be made to believe that his wife was really dead, his explanation of her condition being that the warmth had simply left her body, and that if he kept the mausoleum warm, she would continue to sleep peacefully in the costly metallic casket in which her remains were put. According to witnesses, he carried on long conversations with his wife, the Times reported that he really believed that his wife could understand what he was saying to her. For nearly ten years, Jonathan made his happy home inside the mausoleum. Then in May of 1905, caretakers discovered the still body of Jonathan on the crypt's floor, his arms outstretched to the casket of his dearly departed wife. Wow. There you go. Hmm. If you're going to live in a mausoleum, take a parrot. <laughs> you need somebody to talk to. We'll talk back. <laughs> Nobody else is going to stay there with you. So, you know, I, I'm not an expert on mausoleums or anything like that, but that'd have to be a decent-sized little mausoleum to bring in furniture and a stove. and. Where do you poop? Uh, I don't think they have plumbing in there. I mean, he had an empty casket. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Didn't have a little mausoleum outhouse or anything? <laughs> ah, see, there you go, Chad. All right. <laughs> mausoleum outhouse i love it nice matching outhouse it's cold in the winter i bet stone cold william do you have another one well i did a little research on some interesting ones there i found some uh graves that were uh in Kanawasa, pennsylvania they're covered with these iron cages and for years people argued that they were to either keep people out or keep whatever's inside in 
And, you know, I pulled up some articles, and it turns out that uh, these were called mort safes. It was a common practice uh, over in Scotland before 1830 when they used to dig up the, the graves and use them for uh, medical research and everything like that until they passed a uh, legal document that prevented the grave snatching from happening. And then they started to do away with those. But these are in Pennsylvania. So, you know, later on, they, I don't know why would they would have these. I don't know if it was just a symbol of uh, having money or whatnot. But I just thought that that grave was pretty interesting, too. There's like, there was three of them at one time. One of them went into disrepair and they disassembled it, but there's two left. Did did it uh, say what the year was on the on the graves when they were actually put there? Um, oh, I'm trying to remember. They were sounds very um, Victorian to me. Okay, <laughs> yeah, they died in May and June of 1852. 1852. Wow, keep people from digging them up and no, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, they were vampires, sticks, probably. <laughs> Do you have another one? <laughs> yeah. I have one called the Wool Ridge Monument, and it's in Mayfield, Kentucky. Kentucky? Kentucky. In May of 1899, the Mayfield Monitor ran an obituary for Henry Woolridge. They listed him as a very eccentric man. He was a local horse breeder and spent most of his 77 years living with relatives. Like the pharaohs of old, he wanted to take them with him when he died. Not literally, but in limestone. Henry Woolridge commissioned the Woolridge Monuments, a collection of 18 life-size statues of humans and animals, including a horse named Fop, that's F-O-P. Fop. Fop. <laughs> and two dogs named Toehead and Bob. Who named these things? I don't know. I mean, Bob, okay, but Fop and Toehead? I don't know. It's, yeah. All 18 are crammed into Henry's 17 by 33 foot plot in Maplewood Cemetery and all face due east. They've been the subject of news stories since before Henry was dead. He made certain that all the statues were carved and in place before he died and have been featured on postcards since the 1920s. At some point early on, they acquired the moniker The Strange Procession Which Never Moves. The human <laughs> statues are of Henry's mom, Keziah, brothers Alfred, W.F. John, and Josiah, sisters Susan, Narcissa, and Minerva, and two of his nieces, Maud and Minnie. According to local lore, Henry's father was left out because he'd left Henry's mother when Henry was a boy. Another legend is that Henry included only those relatives who were already dead and that he supplied no visual reference to the sculptors relying on them to make their best guesses. Looking at nearly identical stone-faced <laughs> statues of Henry's brothers, that story is easy to believe. Henry allotted two statues to himself, one astride the horse, the other standing beside a lectern atop a pedestal. The second statue is carved in marble, supposedly in Italy. Uh, Henry is the only actual one entombed here in the above-ground marble vault whose lid is carved with a double-barrel shotgun. <laughs> nice. The Woodridge Monuments had their closest brush with glamour in September of 1984 when they were visited by Hollywood star Jack Palance. Jack Palance, sorry. Uh, to film a segment of the Ripley's Believe It or Not TV series, Mayfield still cites this as a significant moment in the monument's history they made the news again in january 27 2009 when an ice storm toppled a big tree directly into the burial plot knocking off heads sending stone bodies flying and generally <laughs> smashing all the statues except the three ladies in the back row. the horror <laughs> they've all been crushed 
<laughs> For over a year, the monuments lay in pieces, and they likely would have remained that way had the storm not ravaged the rest of Kentucky, too. Federal disaster money was made available to Mayfield, and it covered most of the $100,000 needed to repair the monuments. Henry supposedly only spent $6,000 to have them built. The restorers did excellent work, and you have to look hard to see the repairs. Henry was a lifelong bachelor, but his siblings were prolific. Over 60 Woolridge descendants gathered at Henry's grave on the anniversary of his death in 2012, honoring the man the Mayfield Monitor said was known to all as Uncle Henry. You should visit, too. A few pennies of your tax dollars help to save Henry's grave. Nice. If you're from Kentucky. Well. So. I know. I I wish there was video of that. (laughs) Yeah, where was somebody with a cell phone that day? (laughs) Stone bodies flying. Like a scene from Ghostbusters. You know, the other thing I like about that story is he didn't have any likenesses of the people. He just, he told the people that were carving the statues, just, eh. Best guess. Just wing it. It's fine. Carve what you feel. Yeah. Go with your feelings. Yep. One last one to finish us off here and keep keeping with, uh, you know, trying to do some Kentucky and Indiana related things. You had Kentucky? Mm-hmm. I'm going to see your Kentucky with an Indiana grave, Chad. Really? Perhaps you've heard of the mystery of the grave in the middle of the road. I have. One of Indiana's most haunted hotspots has been scaring off midnight visitors and road workers alike for hundreds of years. But now the mysterious grave in the middle of the road has gotten even stranger after discovery of not one, but seven bodies under a single headstone. Seven? For the better part of a century, road crews in Indiana have been terrified of a disturbing of disturbing a single gravesite that sits to this day in the middle of County Road 400 in Amity. They're also afraid of very large sharks. <laughs> of course they are. They've been so scared, in fact, that rather than flatten the plot out and move the remains, they've opted to split the lanes and pave around it. You might wonder why a lone burial plot would be such a source of fear, and for the answer, you have to get in your wayback machine, Chad and William, mm-hmm. and go back to 1808. 1808. Well, before the road crews began painting white lines on fresh pavement, the town of, town of Amity, Indiana, was just a small village that popped up near Sugar Creek. In 1808, 14-year-old Nancy Curlin married William Bartlett, popped out 11 kids, and then passed away just 23 years later at the age of 37. Her dying wish was to be laid to rest on her favorite piece of land overlooking the creek. Nancy was the first to be buried on the hill, but she was soon joined by enough locals that an official cemetery was built around her grave. Mm -hmm. Fast forward several decades, and the county had decided that it was time to pave a new road. Unfortunately, the, the developers hadn't planned for the small cemetery to be directly in the path of their new route, and eventually decided that they would just pave over it. That didn't exactly work out so well for them. Nancy's grandson, Daniel G. Adotti, so incensed that the remains of his family would be disrespected, cocked his shotgun and set up camp on his mother's plot, threatening any worker who dared to approach the mound. Daniel defended the patch of land for several weeks until the county threw in the towel and agreed to leave Nancy's grave untouched. Having already paved the road up to that point, they had no choice but to split the lanes down the middle and work around the plot. In August of 1912, Nancy's grave received a historical marker officially cementing it in place in the legend of Amity, Indiana. Wow. Shotgun, huh? Wow. 
That's right. That's how you, I mean, that's Indiana, you know. You get a shotgun and you go set someplace and you just wait it out. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. They could have just, just moved the headstones, but we know how that'll turn out. Well. That's right. You don't want no guys to activity. Yeah, don't. Ooh. <laughs> move, the heads, move the headstones, but they didn't move the bodies. Carrie and So you know your pool's got dead bodies floating in it. And your TV starts acting funny. Yeah. Cable. They're here. They are. <laughs> so, some odd graves. Very strange. Graves that people have been dying to hear about. <laughs> Stranger things. It's pretty unique, Chris. It was. Let's, it just goes to show you, if you go visit some place, you might swing by their, their local cemetery. There might be something worth seeing there. Hey, you know, uh, there's another place if you visit, there might be something worth seeing, Chad. <laughs> uh, yeah, where, where's that, Chris? <laughs> That's paranormalguys.com. Wow. That's where you can go to listen to the show, see pictures of me and Chad. Uh, there is also a link to helping some puppies and kittens on there right, right now. If you feel the gift of giving this season, make sure that you uh, check it out and get you a cool shirt. If you don't want a shirt for yourself, give it to somebody, and the money will go to a great cause. That's right. So visit the website, look at all the paranormal guys related stuff there. Uh, and as always, go to facebook.com slash paranormal guys and like us on there and you will have your finger on the pulse as like as Chad likes to say. That's right. Because as soon as a new show comes out, boom, there is a post on Facebook saying, hey, here's the show. Go you're listen. Gonna, you're going to know about it. You can brag to all your friends. Seem more important. That's right. <laughs> and there's this other Facebook site that I talk about a lot. Oh, yeah? What's that? It's uh, called it's Facebook.com slash William Blanchard Soundtrack. Yes. You may have heard of him. I think so. Musical genius. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as uh, as always, definitely uh, go like William's uh, Facebook page. Yeah, definitely. William does some great stuff. We really appreciate being able to have that for our show. And, and we also really appreciate you uh, coming on the show today, William. Yeah, thank oh, you. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thanks for putting up with Chris. <laughs> it takes a special kind. It does. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah, and if anything, uh, if you get into anything strange and unusual in the realm of Supernatural or Bigfoot or Sasquatch, make sure to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. As always, Chad. Yes. And William. Have a paranormal weeks. <laughs>